tis the season to uh, think about bettering ourselves, make New Year's resolutions, and often fail in such New Year's resolutions. Tis the season to do so. New Year's resolutions, they're problematic. As we all know, at least all of us who are over the age of like 14, all right? Because we tend to start setting New Year's resolutions, like I'm going to lose 15 pounds or something like that, and then we end up failing. The problem is not the desire to get to, to get better. Actually, the desire to get better is extremely important, and uh, we're going to talk about that some today. Um, New Year's resolutions are flawed on a number of levels, and so we'll probably talk a little bit about that today. Uh, mostly, we're going to be reading scripture and talking about some scriptural principles about well, stuff that's related that you'll see. First thing I want to start off with is this basic notion, though. Whenever you're thinking about bettering, bettering yourself, all right, um, sometimes you should start from a place of guilt. Like if you have an area of sin in your life, starting with a place of guilt is actually not necessarily a bad thing. But in general, I want you to remember that um, God loves you. All right. If you weigh 15 pounds too much, God loves you. All right. Um, if if you have trouble sometimes with watching a little bit too much TV, good news. God loves you, and He actually wants you to get better. All right. Now there's this notion that sometimes we we I remember sometimes people telling kids this whenever I was younger. You know what? If if they were really your friends, they wouldn't want you to. They wouldn't want to change you. They wouldn't. They would love you exactly the way you are. All right. Or if that guy really loved you, he would love you exactly the way you are. Not really care if you would change. Let's talk about God's love. Does God love you exactly the way you are? In a very real sense, yes. God puts his love on you when you are a wicked sinner and then you, when you hate him. All right? So that's, that's good news, actually. That's incredibly good news. It does not follow that God loves you so much that he loves you exactly the way you are and doesn't want you to change. The reality is God wants every single one of you to change. And he wants me to change. All right? And if you're actually a good friend, you want your friends to change for the good. Not necessarily to change to be like you. All right? But, but for the good, all right? And if you think about the church, I want you to change. And if Edward and Bill don't want you to change, they're terrible shepherds, right? Because actually one of the jobs of the shepherds is to come in and help the flock be better, primarily in terms of godliness, right? That is their job, to encourage you and exhort you to be better than you are right now. And when you are in sin, to repent. Fact is, it is a loving thing, to want people to change and to support them in that. And we'll see some scriptures around some of these things today. But the main thing is, let's start with this notion, all right? In general, start with the notion that God loves you and actually wants good things for you, all right? If God has set his love on you, then he wants eternal life for you. If God has set his love on you, he wants you during this life, all right? He wants you during this life to have joy. Now, this joy might be despite your circumstances, but God wants you to have joy. God wants you to have love. God wants you to have peace. And the good things that you get, all right, ultimately are coming from God. So let's start with there. If you would turn to the book of James. 
we're going to James chapter 1, and most of you probably know exactly where we're going, because this is a, a verse that is frequently quoted, um, and frankly, it should be. All right? James chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything good in your life, whether you know it, whether you recognize it or not, is ultimately coming from God. And this has always been true. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, as you know, what you have then following is, a, is the creation account. You've got day one, day two, and so forth. Let there be light, and there was light, all right, and so forth. All of creation, pretty much, is made before we show up, right? If you look in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. All right? So this is after he's created so many things. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. When man shows up, there is a whole world out there already, all right? There's already cows. There's already plants that you can get food from, all right? There's already sunlight. There's already water, all right? There's already air. Everything that man needs, all right, is already there, given by God before man even shows up on the scene, all right? And now, not only is God giving mankind a gift at that point, Adam and Eve, not only is he giving them a gift, he's giving them a responsibility over the good things that he is given. Let's go back and look at that verse. Let, man, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have, and here's his job, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and, every other, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Outside of this, we know that God created man and the angelic sphere. They have different realms of rule. All right? The angelic sphere works within a spiritual sphere that we do not see. They were not made ultimately to be physical creatures. All right? They were spiritual creatures. Man was made to be a physical creature. And that also means that man was given physical limits, right? You cannot, as a man or a woman, be everywhere at one time. And I also generally make the assumption, if we think about hum how humanity is right now, and we think about how humanity was back then, generally speaking, from a physical standpoint, unless it's called out somewhere in Scripture, in the curse or later, man today is like man then. Adam needed food. 
we know that Adam needed food. Do you think Adam ever got tired when he worked? I absolutely believe that Adam got tired when he worked. There was a necessity for rest for Adam. Did Adam have to work harder after the fall? Yes, we know that for, for sure. And we also know other things based on later scriptures. We know that man's mind and man's will was damaged by the fall. We know that is true. But ultimately, what we are today, all right, was created by God with limits. And it is our job, as we see there in that chapter, to be stewards of what God has created for us. All the good things that God has given us, we are responsible for those things and should use them rightly. Now, there's two creation accounts. I'm sure you've noticed. If you've read Genesis, there's two creation accounts. Let's turn to the second creation account, Genesis chapter 2. At the beginning, so thus the heaven and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. There's the end of the first chapter, essentially. Then you have discussion of the creation of man and woman. All right, like verse 5, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord had not caused it to rain in the land and there was no man to work the ground. All right, so it's talking about how things work. Then it goes into discussing man. Now go jump ahead to uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work it and to keep it. So in both of the creation accounts, when it comes to talking about man, it makes a point that God has created all sorts of things. Man shows up. There's all sorts of things around. All right. And that man is put in responsibility over all of that thing. Which, once again, I think tells us that whenever God gives us a good gift, we, ha- we ought to take responsibility for it. And so that includes, ultimately, your life. All right, And it, it also includes responsibility for those around you. Now, I want to think about general areas. All right? There are general areas in which we, it's common, at least, to break things down. What's something concrete that you want to, somebody, anybody wants to get better at? All right? One concrete thing. Actually, I'll start. All right? I want to keep losing some weight. All right? Lose weight. That's a concrete thing that I am actually working on. Okay? What's a general category this might fall into? Health. Health. All right. Let's go with that one. We'll call it health. We can call it, you know, physical stuff. Now, is there any other area that God, you think God might want us to get better at? Other than maybe something in the health physical realm. Is there anything outside of the physical realm? Okay. Or what could it, what might it be? Okay, spiritual. What all would fit into that? Okay. 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 And so, from a concrete perspective, perspective, let's. There's uh, a dividing line. Switching markers. Okay. I'm going to use a uh, old word, righteous affections. All right, your soul is in order, full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, what else? Self-control. 
Is it all about you and your internalness? Serving others. Others, okay. Serving others. So this has to do with a communal aspect, right? Um, look, right now, we're in a community, okay? This is, this is a community. And we have responsibility for serving one another in that. Okay. Is there anything outside of your uh, physical health in spiritual life? And that's communal spiritual life. Anything? Okay. You can call it professional. You can call it work. All right. You could call it, if we use the, the words of Genesis 1, right, you can call it dominion. As we've discussed, God made man to work. Reality. We are supposed to work. Adam had to work before the fall. That was kind of his job. Work the garden. Um, the same is true of you and me. I, I see nothing in the scriptures that says that God does not want us to, to work. Right? And this is going to look differently for, for different folks. Any other areas? Do you include uh, mental and emotional? Okay, so... And then, yeah. and then friendships and things like that that support each other in prayer. All right. Now, there's a lot of overlap in some of these, right? Yeah, Edward. All right. Now, there's a lot of overlap in these, and most of us, if not all of us, could probably improve something in all of these areas. But first, real quick question to go back to something we already discussed about. Uh, if, you have, if, you, if, you're, if you have issues in your job because you aren't working hard enough, does God still love you? Yeah. Yes. Um, do you think God might want you to change that? Sure. Yes, but let's start with God still loves you. Start with that. And He wants the best for you. All right. If He has set His love on you, He wants the best for you. All right. Let's keep that in mind. So a lot of this really overlaps. And you know what's one thing I was thinking about related to this? Some of this stuff would be really weird for ancient people to separate. All right? All right, if we think about community and if we were to lump family in with that, all right, where does family go? It's got to go somewhere. This family is certainly your, your smallest, your closest level of community. All right? It would be entirely weird, I think, for you take a, you know, first century Jew to separate this, all right, from this, from this. I think it would be super weird for them to do so, all right? We have to think about community and we have to think about our friendships in different spheres. I have different professional friends, all right, outside of this group. And chances are you do too, all right, because they don't necessarily go here. But if you don't have vehicles, and most of the people you know are within walking distance, these are the same groups, right? And so modernity has really changed this a lot. And really, we have to think about it a little bit differently. Because 
Once again, if there's no vehicles, the same community, well, a lot of your family is going to be there because you probably live in the same village with all of your brothers and sisters. All right. And so you might have different groups of families. Right. And even today, this is still often true. Right? It's in big towns, maybe not, but in small towns, this can certainly be true. Oh, there's a lot of overlap. And so whenever you think about scriptural principles on a lot of this stuff, remember, modernity has kind of changed things. In some ways, good. In some ways, bad. And so when you're thinking about them, all right, try, you're going to have to bridge that gap between what scripture talks about and what we talk about. So we're going to think about some of these and break some of these things down a little bit more. But before we do that, let's turn to Proverbs. I want to put two things in fake contrast. Contrast, but fake contrast. I'm not going to tell you what those two things are yet. We're going to turn to Proverbs 10. We're going to read three verses. You could pull 20 verses, easy, out of Proverbs on this theme. It's a big theme. Proverbs chapter 10. We'll talk about diligence. All right? Very relevant. If you want to, get, if you want to improve something or do anything, diligence is important. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. What's that mean? Exactly right. Yeah. He who shall not work shall not eat. He who shall not work shall not eat. Yep. Let's go to Proverbs twelve. Proverbs twelve twenty four. Specifically, the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. What does that mean? And for the diligent, often, and we've seen this professionally, those who do well at work, unless we've got some serious nepotism going on somewhere, generally speaking, when you do well in work, right, what happens? Right? You work your way up. And that's a good thing, all right? Usually. All right? The hand of the diligent will rule. As a principle, it's a good thing. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Just go a few verses later. All right? Here's the subject of meat, of meat, one of my favorite subjects. Verse 27, whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. What does that mean? What's the principle behind it? It's not just about meat. There is a connection between, and this is obvious, but biblical, what we're thinking about. There is a connection between your level of diligence and what you get out of it. 
It is the law of the harvest. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. You can't reap something you don't ultimately sow. And we won't go to Galatians 6 for that. It's a rule. The hand of the diligent will be blessed. The hand of the slothful, ultimately cursed. So diligence is important, for sure. Now I'm going to put this in contrast, and then I want to discuss... How do you deal with the contrast? All right. As we discussed earlier, all right. As we discussed earlier, God made man with limits, and we read a scripture. You can turn there if you want to. Go back to Genesis chapter two. Not necessary, but because I will read it as soon as I get there. These itty bitty pages. Genesis chapter two. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. Now, we know that God is omnipotent, all right? And so there's an image here that we are supposed to learn from, though. And that is, man ultimately has limits, and man ultimately needs rest. And we see this explicitly in the law. Deuteronomy 5, if you would. You've got here essentially a prefiguring of the Sabbath commandment, as I'm sure you know. All right. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So, God commanded in the law that the people keep a day of rest. Now, typical American culture, we have two days of rest. We have the weekend, right? Everybody's working for the weekend, right? So, we can have this chance to rest. If we think back, once again, to the fact that, that Adam was created with limits, all right? Did Adam need to sleep? Yes. Did Adam need to rest? Yes. All right. But yet Adam needed to be diligent. Are these contradictory? How is this supposed to work? What is the level? What's the balance there? What do you think? What's that? Is, is the balance. I mean, you, you work, you're diligent six days of the week, and have one Sabbath, you are resting. You chill. Has anybody ever had a problem with uh, some level of working too hard on something? Workaholism, maybe full-blown workaholism. I don't have that problem. But I have certainly, I do have the problem of signing up too much for too much and doing too much. All right? I have that issue. All right, we need to recognize as people not only that we are, must be diligent, but there is such a thing as trying to be too diligent and not resting enough. All right, 
I remember when I was younger and dumber, all right, I used to think of sleep as something, for example, I used to think of sleep as something that um, I should do as little as possible of, and just enough to get by so that I have more waking time to do the things I need to do. All right. Um, based on what the medical community, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, what the medical community knows, that that's actually not the right way to look at it. As a matter of fact, if you don't sleep enough, it not only harms you physically, but mentally and emotionally. All right? Well, and if you think about, once again, this is modernity versus the ancient world. Um, and when you're, when you're in the ancient world, um, you don't have fluorescent lights. Right? When the sun goes down, what's that a trigger of? Sleep. It's time to stop working, and you should start moving towards sleep, right? And so, how much sleep are you going to sleep in the ancient world? Well, a lot more than we probably get today, because we can keep our lights on, and we can. I set my alarm in the mornings with my with my iPhone. I can get up way before it's light, all right, and defeat God's purpose, <laughs> all right. Maybe not. Maybe not quite. That's definitely not the right way to say it, right? <laughs> But we know, all right, based on the way God made us, all right, based on the way that God made us, that rest is absolutely required. All right, having a Sabbath day where everyone has to rest, and it's not, you know, the idea of the Sabbath, and it's clearly spelled out here. The idea of the Sabbath was not let the rich rest and let them keep everything going with all of their slave labor. All right, that was not the idea of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was you're going to rest. Your slaves, they're going to rest too. Your sons, go work on the field. Nope. Your sons and your daughters, they're going to rest too. It's ultimately going to be a day of rest. And God has built it into our bodies. All right? We should have, we should not be as, as an idiot like I was. We should not be an idiot and recognize that God right, has made us to rest. That's a very important part of our life. Yet God has made us to be diligent. And that's a relationship between them. We must rest so that we can, in fact, be diligent. All right? And so if you are thinking in the terms of uh, New Year's resolutions, as flawed as they are, getting good rest is a really good one for you to have. But you should be diligent. All right? And you could even say it this way. You should be diligent about your rest. You should think about it. You should plan it. All right? And if you are not resting enough, you should be diligent to make sure that you do. Because if you don't, you're ultimately going to harm yourself physically, spiritually, mentally, all the above, right? Now, go to Mark chapter 2. Now, we are not actually, at this church, we are not practicing Sabbatarians. Meaning, um, we, we don't... We don't have to make sure we avoid all labor, for example, on Sunday. All right? Of course, that is in some ways a a caricature of of what they believed at the time anyway. But let's go to Mark chapter 2. If we think about the Sabbath, all right, I think I I do find this very helpful. You've got in uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 23, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, um, Jesus, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. All right, now when you're plucking heads of grain, what are you presumably possibly doing in a field? All right, you're, you're walking through it, you're plucking, you're eating, you are, is this harvesting grain? 
All right? Harvesting grain is not something you're supposed to do. All right? You're not supposed to be working on the field on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? All right? And he said to them, Have you never read that David, what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave to those who were with him. And here's your principle. And he said to them, the Sabbath was not made, excuse me, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. There's some theological things here. First, um, if if God gives a Sabbath command, all right, in the law to the Jews, and here you go, a number of years later, you've got Jews talking about the law, and one of them says, I am Lord of the Sabbath, all right? That's a pretty controversial statement, all right? That's saying a lot, all right? Generally speaking, if any Jew, normal Jew, would have said, by the way, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, all right? Maybe it's time to stone this fellow. At the very <laughs> least, it's time to correct this fellow. But of course, theologically speaking, was Jesus Lord of the Sabbath? Well, yes, actually, he was. Um, but also, there's this other principle. What was the Sabbath made for? It was made for man. All right, it was for man's benefit. If you make the Sabbath harmful for man, what you're doing is you're making this man for the Sabbath, not the other way around. All right. So, in other words. Okay, here you go. Here you go. Rest is holy. All right? Rest is holy. You should do it. All right? You should really do it. And you should take it seriously. All right? I have many times not taken it seriously. All right? This is something I have to keep in mind because I tend to sometimes work too hard. Rest is holy. And that doesn't just mean this, all right? Though, you know what? If you were to take Sunday and go, I'm not going to do any work today. I am going to just recharge. God bless you. It's a good choice. But in general, rest is holy. How are we doing on time? Okay, good. So, this is a, this is a Bible study, all right? Let's talk about just general principles. This is a Bible study. Yet, I've already talked about and pulled in this notion. Right? The notion about how sleep is necessary for the body and the mind to work. Right? Does the Bible explicitly say, all right, if you don't get enough sleep, you are not going to physically do well or emotionally it's going to cause you problems? You can certainly draw that from various stories, but this is not a major subject matter of the scriptures. As a matter of fact, as intelligent people, we're actually quite happy to go, oh, the medical community, they've figured some stuff out, we should pay attention to these things. And I would imagine most things, uh, for those of you who've studied in the medical field, not myself, I would imagine most things in your textbook all right, are not quotations of scripture. All right. When it talks about blood pressure, when it talks about nutrition, okay, I imagine, am I right? Okay, cool. Glad to be correct. I love being correct. Generally speaking, all right, in the medical field, um, we see these things, all right, and then we trust them. 
And the reason why is God has given us a book that we use, all right? We ought to use it, we ought to study it, but it is not the only source of truth. One thing that we that has been true of Christians for a very long time, all right, uh, is we know, all right, that God reveals things outside of Scripture. Does He not? As a matter of fact, creation, just by studying creation, we learn a lot of things. Some people said it this, this way, and I, and, I, and I like it. All truth is God's truth. Ultimately, if something is true in the world, all right, because we see it through a study of medical things, because we see it through archaeology, because we see it through geology, if something is true in the world, all right, then God has made it so. All right? And we ought to pay attention to it. Some areas we're very happy to do this, uh, like medical. All right? We get obvious great benefits from paying attention to the medical field and what they come up with. Physics. All right? If you think about physics, how much of physics, in terms of physics textbooks, come from Scripture? Not a whole lot. Now, if God says something is true, all right, and then you read something in a textbook and it disagrees with what God says is true, one of two things is going on. Either you're reading the scripture wrong or they're reading the data wrong. All right? So if all, if all truth is God's truth, there's going to be a consistency there. And we do as Christians have to balance that, both of scripture study and seeing what God says, and then what's coming around and out from outside world and going, are these things consistent? And when they are, excellent. And when they're not, then step back and go, all right, is my understanding of scripture wrong? Or is their understanding wrong? So we have lots of areas that we really do this in. Um, one area that I've actually found very helpful, which is relevant to our general discussion of getting better, is there are some, there's some people in some books in the general self-help space that I've actually found very useful. In the sense of, and really those who get and understand human, how humans work, all right? How humans work, how humans better themselves, how humans function among themselves, and things like that. This is what we'd find in psychology and sociology. A lot of it's total bunk. Uh, some of it's really good, and some of it's really useful. Because, well, they're basically studying how humans are. And it falls under the same principles as everything else. When we think about these things right here, and you think about if you do... New Year's resolutions, um, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I can't keep up anything for a whole year. I'm not even going to start. I keep things on much smaller time periods because, I mean, I can keep up almost anything for a month. For a year, almost nothing. Anyway, if you think about these particular areas, all right, if you want to make improvements in your physical health, all right, and most of you should, all right, so should I. If you want to make improvements in your spiritual health, all of you should, and so should I. Do you want to make, better, make, make progress in your professional work, in your particular way of having dominion over the earth? God has made you to work. Should you get better at that? You should at least consider it. All right. You might be the top of your game, but even if you're at the top of your game, you might still get better anyway. All right. What about your emotional health, your mental health, your intellectual? Do you have things that you need to learn? I can tell you, you do. All right? You do have things you should learn, as do I. Could you improve how you work with your community, whatever that is? That's your church? All right? That's your work community? That's your family? Can you improve on that? Yes, you can. You absolutely can. 
Now here's, I want to, I'm going to give you one book recommendation. Read it if you want. Um, have you ever, anybody ever heard of the book Atomic Habits? It's a bestseller, and honestly, I really believe it should be. It's really a superb book. If you want to, if you want to read a book that will, uh, I, I think, help you if you want to make sustained life change. All right, and this is a general principles book. This is not a Bible book. All right, this is a general principles book. This is very helpful. One of the things he said. And if you're thinking about in any particular areas in your head, uh, I'm going to think of a, of a goal that I want. I want to lose 15 pounds, all right? Or for me, if I listen to the medical community, I don't need to lose 15 pounds. I need to lose like 40 pounds, all right? All right? If I want to make that a goal, or I want to read my Bible more, I want to get better at that, which, is, by the way, is a good goal, all right? This guy said something once that which really hit me like a, a ton of bricks. You ever have you ever have that happen to you? Somebody says something to go that hurt me, and it's really good. All right, I just want you to leave you this particular thought on this. All right, This one really bothered me. All right, winners and losers have the same goals. All right, because what we tend to think of when we think of self improvement is we tend to think of all right. I need to set a goal. All right, I need to set a goal. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose 40 pounds. All right. I'm going to do it. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm really going to do it. I'm going to set that as my goal. Lots of people are always saying they want to lose 40 pounds. Lots of people are always saying they want to lose 15 pounds or whatever, all right? Um, what distinguishes winners and losers? Not their goals, all right? For them, it's what's their systems. That's his focus. What's the habits, essentially? What's the habits and the systems? Is there any credence to this in the scriptures? All right? Does it matter what your habits are? Does it matter who you're around and things like that? Does it matter? Turn to Proverbs chapter 13. There's actually a ton of places we could go. We will only go to a few places today. Because we don't have endless time. Proverbs chapter 13. Here's an easy one for you to, to do. All right? for, for, for us to, to think about and conceive of, this one's, this one's easy. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions and fools will suffer harm. I've heard some people say that you're the average of everybody you hang out with. All right? Now, that means that some people can't be the top of the chain that's pulling other people up. So I don't think that's quite right. But there is some truth to this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You'll see a lot in the Proverbs and in the Psalms to not walk in the way of sinners. All right? Who should you walk with? Who should you 
have it as a companion. This should be the righteous. Now, this does not mean don't ever talk to sinners. This just means, right, if you think in terms of community, who you're close to, right? The righteous can encourage you in ways, all right? If you think about, actually, in his words, he would talk about this in terms of environment, I think. Put put yourself in the right environment, all right? Um, Sometimes some people need to quit their friends, all right? Sometimes a friend is harmful for you, all right? Now, sometimes you need to be the one that helps that friend, and you should not quit them. But sometimes you can't help them, and it's best for you to quit that friend. Because whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 19, as you know, is a very long psalm. What you get, and sometimes in the psalms, certainly in Proverbs, is you have often lots of um, disconnected ideas. There's just one note in here I want to, I want to point out, and I want you to think about yourself in terms of, of, of this. All right, Psalm 119, verse 63. I'm the companion I am a companion of all who fear you of those who keep your precepts. Now on the one hand this says exactly the same thing as the other verse, all right? From the positive side. I want you to think about, all right? I want you to think about what's your role in terms of your community, all right? This could be your family, this could be church, this could be your friends. What's your role? Are you their companion, all right? When I think of companion, all right, when I think of this, I don't think of it just in terms of who do you hang around with, all right, but who are you going to be actively a help for, all right? And I want you to think about that in your life. I want you to think about as you're companioning around with your your fellows, those who you really should be around, all right, how are you going to be a benefit to them, all right? And of course, and this is the, the question of, of whether you should stay with them or leave them, how many of those you should leave behind or limit your interactions with? Something going on we need to deal with? No? Cool. So I want to end simply with this. Let me encourage you to diligence. All right? But also, because right, it's, it's the time of year to be to overwork yourself and basically say, I'm going to do more, all right? So I'm going to buck that trend, all right? And say, be diligent about your rest. Be diligent about how you want to get better, but be diligent about your rest. Take times where you will say, I'm going to sit around and chill out and genuinely rest. Also, get your sleep. But do take that time. All right? Because those can be extremely fruitful times, also with your family and your friends. All right? And you can be a benefit during those times. Yeah. I just wanted to add that um, there's been times in my life where I didn't have a lot going on. It's during those times of rest, I was able to make quite much needed introspection and mm-hmm. gain insight from that. 
It's true, right? If you're so busy all of the time, you often don't take that time for introspection, right? And introspection can be extremely valuable. So, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that we do that on purpose, actually. Fill up all the time. So that I think humans in general yeah. distract, distract, busy, 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 so that you don't think about A, sin, and B, there's a resolution to this. Run to God. And especially yeah. if you're in a, you know, a, we're children of the Lord, and we obey good sometimes, and sometimes we don't. And when you're not, you don't want to have quiet introspection time yeah. because you know what God's going to tell you during that time and you're not ready to repent yet. Yeah, have you ever avoided a prayer time because you're like, I'm going to have to deal with this. You know, and sometimes before we take communion, sometimes we stop and we have a time of thinking. We don't have to do that every time. But it's healthy to stop and introspect and think about how you should get better and how you need to repent sometimes. So be better. Part of being better for some of you will mean sleep more and rest more. But get better and be wise about how you do it and be wise in various areas. All right? You are not a one-sided human. There's many facets to you and there's many things you need to think about. And if anybody wants to have a book called On Atomic Habits, I'm all for it. I've already read it twice, but I'll do it again. All right. So if anybody wants to talk about it, love to talk about it and talk about it biblically, how we can apply it. All right. So just reach out. Let me know if you want to do that. All right. But be diligent. Be diligent. Rest. Be good. All right. All for God's glory because God loves you. Let's close in prayer. God bless us today. Help us be wise. Help us uh, read the scriptures and study and meditate on you. Help us repent in the ways we need to repent. And bless us as we fellowship together. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What are y'all doing? Hmm. My nose is is not getting it. I don't smell anything, but I couldn't smell it out there either.
<laughs> yes, sir. No, but I've had it recommended to me, and I, I kind of want to. I, I, read, I probably read it a couple of times, but every chapter is a little thing. But he, he's, he has one: systems is greater than goals. Yeah, and basically, he's that's so much of what he's trying to talk about. You set this goal for forty pounds. I can't do that. But if I say I'm going to do this every week, and that's my system. And I just you build the habit in the system. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 wise. It's, it's very wise. So trying to find that smell? Yeah, that, that he, book. that's his book, and he wrote that. I mean, he, system, you have to do so. He talks about that all the time. Yep, it's habits and systems, not goals. Yeah. It's like, don't set goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there's, there's wisdom there. Yo. What's up? They think they smell an, an you know electrical fire. They said that I didn't. I don't smell anything. Do you? They were no, saying they could, could smell be my nose is just not picking it up. So. I don't know. Hmm. Is it? I mean, did they think it was something connected to the? Uh, oh, I should probably turn this off. 